Hello there. It's time for most things Kenobi. I prefer all things Kenobi, but I suppose that's not the Jedi way. As long as it's not all things Anakin. everyone, welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Leanne. And I'm your host, Lauren. And this week is part two, kind of, of what we began last week, which was talking about the Obi-Wan and Anakin, or in this week's episode's case, Vader versus Anakin. We're looking at the duels from Revenge of the Sith and comparing and contrasting it to what we witnessed, the greatness that we witnessed, the pain <laughs> that we witnessed in the Kenobi show, where they met again for the first time since Revenge of the Sith. And there's some, some real big similarities. There's some differences, but they're purposeful and they mean something. There's a lot of parallels or opposites that I've noticed, and it's oh, it's so cool. <laughs> I love, I, I, I really have enjoyed this because I it forced me to look at this in a different way instead of just oh my oh this is so my heart <laughs> yeah. oh god no ah you know there's still that but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, that never goes away <laughs> no random noises always occur but you know from a cinematography aspect to an emotional aspect to a where are these two individuals at in their life at the moment that these duels are happening? It's so fascinating. I mean, like, right from the get-go, it's the very first scene, right? A Vader ship lands, mm. and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's there already. That's already the opposite of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Because Anakin was already on Musafar. Obi-Wan lands. Obi-Wan walks down the ramp. Now it's the opposite. No, no, Vader no, walks down the ramp. No, you forgot. You forgot. The cloak drop, and then he walked down the ramp. No, he's at no. the bottom of the ramp when he and drops then he, his cloak. Ah, shit. Okay. Well, we have to include the cloak drop because it wouldn't be his descent, be it cloak drop before or after the descent. The descent happens with a cloak drop. I can't, we can't leave it out. It's such a shame there isn't one in the Kenobi. He takes it off in the ship before he gets out. And, of course, it's cute because he finds the droid from Leia and it's all very sweet and precious to give him courage. But, like, we missed out on a cape drop. It's pretty sad. Opportunity missed. His fucking cape drop came with, at the end of this duel, like, the rocks. (laughs) That was mic drop. That, on that oh duel. Oh, my God. Yeah, seriously. There are, like, there are so many moments where, honestly, this is, like, the sexiest Obi-Wan has ever been. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> concur. <laughs> yep. Can concur. There are, I don't even know, countless epic moments in it, and I can't, I can't handle it. It was the Obi-Wan I've always wanted. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but the pain. You know, I'm really interested to talk about the planet choice because it is such a stark contrast to the fiery, bubbling, explosive Mustafar. Yeah. And we have this cold, barren, what it represents is kind of the coldness between them, the, the, the dead friendship, the lack of 
between them, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. The environment, even apart from just the the physical formations, but the smudgy, gray, smoky look, it's like the aftermath of fire. Totally. It's been charred over almost. And yes. It's like a dead fire, like a fire pit. The remains. Yes. Musafar was the burning, the passion, and this is like the aftermath of that destruction. It's so I love it. It's so smart. It's it's really the more I an- like I always liked this. Uh, I've heard some people say they they didn't like the environment, but the more I went through this sequence and looked at the cinematography of it, the more I realized that the moon is or is it a moon or a planet? I'm not really I think, sure. Uh, don't well, there's no like official name for it, right? They just called it Barren Moon. Yeah, yeah. There's no clear answer that we could find. If someone out there knows or heard, please let us know because we tried to research. And we saw a few answers, but nothing definitive, so. Yeah, there's even a little bit of contrasting information out there, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. So at the beginning of the duel, they're kind of in like this open plain, which is, it's actually really reminiscent to Revenge of the Sith, how they're like kind of out in the open and then they go inside and go into the like the tighter environment that's more dangerous and dynamic, I guess. But there are these cones they're kind mm-hmm. of like stalagmites or they could be cinder cones yeah and the thing i like about either of those symbols is stalagmites are caused by mineral water you know like dripping over an extended period of time and building 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 until they have this spire i like where this is going oh I, i'm getting chills okay keep going <laughs> keep going so that already ties into obi-wan and anakin just over time percolating until it becomes this giant rock that you can't get around yes or if it's a cinder cone that's usually like a dormant volcano true so it's like this sleeping power that could become very dangerous if it wakes up so either one of those like what like (laughs) obi-wan's powers exactly or like even Anakin, because he's unpredictable, but he's not really. He's actually kind of predictable, and I think that's part of why Obi-Wan wins. But He's predictable oh. to Obi-Wan. Yes, exactly. Because Reva, Reva did not. Reva did not anticipate that shit show. And Anakin, or Vader, uses moves on Obi-Wan that he used on Reva, and Obi-Wan manages, <laughs> like, no problem. <laughs> Like, like nothing has changed. He still knows you. You're not going to stop fighting. I mean, Obi-Wan learns from things. We, we have discussed this ad nauseum. And I think he would have easily picked up the limitations that Vader now has because of the suit and the mechanics. We've all talked about how he can't really swing high or very high because of the suit and the arms and the thing. Yes. Uh, he has kind of a low you know, twirl to him. I'm doing it, but no one can see it. <laughs> Podcasts. But I think Obi-Wan would learn right away like what his new style is, but he's not going to change that much because Anakin's still in there and he knows what works or what has worked. And it worked with Reva, right? And he tries it on Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan's always one step ahead. Always. Never. You're never going to top him. He was one step ahead all the way up until A New Hope, right? Even yeah. then. He knew what the hell was going on, what he was going to do. He planned it all out. That's so true. That's such a good point. Because Revenge of the... Or, I'm sorry, not Revenge of the... A New Hope seems really anticlimactic compared to these other things. But 
now looking at it, we realize Obi-Wan was in control the whole time. It was his game, and Vader didn't even know he was playing right into the exact thing Obi-Wan had always kind of like had in mind to sacrifice himself, protect Luke, you know. It's so good. Some of the deadliest bad guys, quote unquote, always study and are one step ahead. And Obi-Wan is a good guy and studies and is always one step ahead. Yeah, and he tricks him. Yeah, and that has to piss him off. Vader, (laughs) man, that would grate my last fucking mechanical nerve. (laughs) You know? No wonder he's so damn angry. (laughs) You know, amongst other reasons, but... That's, that's kind of what I love about it is they play into why Vader gets so annoyed, right? And it's those the flashbacks. They use the same moves from the that's flashbacks right. mm-hmm. in this duel at the end where Obi-Wan, they're back to back and Obi-Wan is blocking Anakin. So Anakin is thinking, same Obi-Wan, it's going to go the same way. I know what I'm doing. And like what you just said, what have we said so many times? Obi-Wan learns... He knows Anakin expects him to be that way. And Anakin's probably been planning this whole time to defeat Suresu. Mm-hmm. And so when Obi-Wan doesn't use Suresu, Anakin mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do. Or Vader doesn't know what to do. Like, it's it's so awesome and so sad <laughs> at the same time. I actually kind of love that you keep saying Anakin and then correcting with Vader because it's so appropriate for this battle because he, like, there is that moment, right, where... yes. The red fades to blue, fades back to red, yes. and it's it's Hayden's yes. voice, then it's James Earl Jones's voice, and then back to it, you know? And it's mm-hmm. this struggle. I mean, we see it externally, but obviously it's an internal struggle that Vader is going through because he's faced for the first time, literally face-to-face. You can count the, the fire glass, but that was him just being a bitch, right? Yes, that's and not there the was same, no, yeah. yeah, there was no emotional exchange. There was no apology. There was no, I am not your failure, you know, that sort of thing. They had to face what happened. And it's so funny because Obi-Wan uses that moment in this duel to apologize. Anakin, and I also, I say Anakin, uses that moment to, I don't want to say go on the defensive, but he kind of does. He uses that moment to like exude some sort of control. And I know the reason he has to, because if he acknowledges anything that happened, that he made a choice that day, every decision he did from Palpatine and, and Mace Windu forward was his choice, right? If he had to face that, that would be the probably the biggest pain besides yeah. losing Padme. He's not going to do it. But Obi-Wan faces that pain and apologizes to him. I'm sorry for all of it. For leaving him there, for the, the collapse of their friendship, the collapse of everything they believed in, the order. I think when Obi-Wan says, I'm sorry for all of it, he's actually saying, I'm sorry that all of it was for nothing. That you were drug into this the way I'm sorry that you ended up like this and ended up in this position, almost as if he's saying, I'm sorry, I didn't do more to prevent this. Yeah. Which in the revenge of the Sith duel, Anakin is in control the entire, he, in, he incites it. He challenges him. He pushes forward, pushes on, on, always on the offensive. And I just love the vulnerability that Obi-Wan shows in the Kenobi show duel, he's a hell of a fucking fighter, right? There is no question. He comes out fucking swinging and it's 
awesome. The rocks, <laughs> the slice across the head, the final punch to the breathing apparatus. He went for all of the weak points. But in that moment, he still apologized. He saw his friend and it, it like broke him. It's so fucking wonderful. So we have this like climatic. I'll wrap this up real fast, people. I'm just passionate about this. Lauren has good things to talk about. And I'm over here waxing poetic, but like, no, it's good. I like it. It's going. just the, it's the emotional. <laughs> it's like Obi-Wan comes full circle and accepts it. And Anakin doesn't. That's the difference between a hero and a villain. Yes. And wow, it's amazing. <laughs> okay. That's the end of my, that's the end of my platform speech here. <laughs> no, I just, there are, there's so much that I, I have written down that dovetails into all that you were just Let's saying. hear it. I'm like, going to stop talking. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's like the lighting keeps switching, right? And, and on both of their faces, there's more red and then there's more blue, but there's always like a little bit of both until Anakin says, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. His face turns all blue. And then he says, I did. And it starts to turn red again. And then after that, it's pure red. And then Obi-Wan has neither color. Yeah. He becomes neutral. He's not red or blue anymore. He's just free. Yeah. Yes. And it's such, yes. such a deliberate choice. And it ties into everything you're just saying of the acceptance and letting the burden go. And also, the this ties into it, too, when Anakin breaks the ground and Yes. Falls and he throws all the rocks on him and how we've talked about in the past, how that's just in like representative of the burdens that he the is weight carrying. He carries. Just, like, yes, crushing him. And then it kind of occurs to me this time that he throws all that back at Anakin. I love it. Yes. Yes. It's not only does he throw it off of himself and like blows the shit out of it and gets, <laughs> gets up out of the, the hole. Yeah. But then he picks everything up and just throws it all back at Anakin and is like, you've put all these burdens on me. What about you? Can you face it? Yeah. And like you said, he can't. No, no, he, he can't. He cannot. <laughs> it's so, oh my God, it's just so good. The sequence is just very deliberate. And the more I analyze it, the more I realize like every decision is so purposeful. It's really, to me, that is like the most rewarding kind of stuff to watch. It's registering subconsciously with us. Yeah. But then so when you good. dive when you dive in and you see, oh, this is so meaningful. It, it's Well, I was thinking about how you mentioned on Mustafar there's all this fire and it's so red and orange and black and the two little glimmers of blue from their lightsabers. And then this, mm -hmm. everything is dark and gray and black, and it's the two glimmers of lightsabers, but it's the one is now red. And it's yeah. it's quite sad. But there is that like dominant color as the base. And then the emphasis is the two, those two. And I like, I like that. I, it's sad. <laughs> it's, it's so good. And even there's that shot. There's like a long shot of after Anakin's down on his knees, Obi-Wan is kind of standing in his defensive pose and behind them are pillars that are the like similar representation. There's a tall one behind Obi-Wan and a short half, like cut in half one version mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. behind Anakin. And it's just, even the environment, you know, is representative of their positions. It's, it's well, it harkens brilliant. back a little bit to the Mortis arc where they're in that arena. Yes. 
Yes. I mean, minus Ahsoka and a couple of birds, <laughs> you know, they're... <laughs> And one very distraught father, I guess, but like in an arena of sorts where the force is being manipulated in, in a good and bad way. It's, ah, Anakin, you saw this. Ah, (laughs) if I could turn back time. (laughs) What you didn't see behind one of the pillars was Cher. (laughs) poking her head out like is now my moment (laughs) star wars would be very different (laughs) be more like a burlesque movie is that a share movie (laughs) i kind of want someone to make the edit what what is it the empire strips back you know hey i'm going to that next week everybody are you going next we week we're going to we have tickets my boyfriend and i are going to empire strips back and i will let everyone know how fucking ridiculous it is i can't wait report back i shall <laughs> so what else do you have because i know you got notes upon notes upon notes i do i have a lot i have a lot there's just there's so many things one of the things I really love is when Obi-Wan falls down in that pit mm-hmm. that Anakin creates. It is almost identical framing to the Phantom Menace. Oh. Oh. Oh, I never thought of that. So it's, he falls down, you know, into the pit and looks up. Yeah. And there's yeah. Maul standing yeah. right where Vader is standing. Oh, shit. He's probably thinking to himself, I've been here before. Right. And I was thinking, like, <laughs> Vader should be a little more nervous. <laughs> he shouldn't stand there. <laughs> well, you know, he had to get the high ground shit. He just had to. He had to. <laughs> well, speaking of the high ground. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Obi-Wan's final blow, like across the helmet, comes yeah. from the high ground. He I jumps know it does. Off a rock and has to get some high ground. But I like that it's like the opposite of what happens in Revenge of the Sith. He's the one jumping. Yes. And still has the advantage. Still. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> He's one of the smartest duelists out of any of the Jedi. I have to say it. And I'm I'm trying not to be biased, but he just is. We see it over two sits, everybody. Two. Yeah, uh. I would. I would love a what if seeing him duel Palpatine. I would really enjoy that. I think it'd be cool. He would probably not win, but I would still like to see it because he probably gets some good blows in there before. Before I, he I think I, that's an interesting <laughs> question slash comment slash scenario because we should examine that because I'm torn. I don't think he would win because if there's anyone who's two steps ahead of someone, it's Palps. Yes. Yeah. And Yoda was pretty fucking strong in and of himself. He handled that man pretty well for for his age, for his stature, you know, all the things that you would normally think of as being hindrances in a Mm -hmm. fight of that manner. No, he didn't let it hinder him. He used it to his advantage, which is also a smart fighter. True. But also... Yoda hasn't fought that many Siths in recent years, at least, compared to Obi-Wan, who has fought Maul yep. multiple times, Savage Press, yeah. uh, Anakin, Vader. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ventress, if you... Yeah, Grievous. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a sticker with Grievous, and all it said underneath was asthma. <laughs> and I kind of loved it. 
<laughs> oh, it's like if you good. know, you know. If anyone else saw that who isn't a Star Wars fan, I'd be like, what is that and who is that? But I loved it. It's accurate. It's very accurate. It is accurate. <laughs> okay, some other fun stuff. Yes. Uh, I noticed in the cinematography, after Obi-Wan breaks Anakin's helmet and he's on his knees, the angle they film him at is identical to Revenge of the Sith. Mm. So Anakin's down, he's like looking oh, up at Obi-Wan. Absolute, and it's just yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's like Obi-Wan is seeing him again down at the parallels. The worlds are repeating themselves. The thing I really like, though, is there's a huge difference in the way they're filmed after that point when they start speaking to each other they're in Mm -hmm. these close-ups where it's really close on both of the the characters faces and that indicates a more personal emotional thing going on where Mm -hmm. even though it was very personal in revenge of the sith the galaxy was at stake you know the jedi were at stake and now this is just between these two men Mm-hmm. And so we're getting much more of a close-up. And then there's this cinematography technique that they're using where they never are in the frame together. Ah, and yes. Obi-Wan's on the right, looking left. Anakin's on the left, looking right. Mm-hmm. But they're never together. And when a scene is filmed that way, it means the characters could never agree. They can never get on the same page and come to terms. Yeah, it makes sense. Right up to the minute they walk away, they're not framed together. They cannot, they're just like never going to be there again. It brings me back to the quote I said I would reread <laughs> from the last episode, <laughs> which is the Revenge of the Sith novelization. And I said I was going to reread this because it works right now in this instance from what you're describing. And the quote is this. This was not Sith against Jedi. This was not light against dark or good against evil. It had nothing to do with duty or philosophy, religion or morals. It was Anakin against Obi-Wan, personally. Just the two of them and the damage they had done to each other. And just like the stalagmite, stalactite? Stalagmite? One's up and one's down. Okay. Stalagmite goes up, I believe. So the drip, drip, drip piling on over the years, there was still harm done. And probably more so on Anakin's side, since Obi-Wan was kind of out of the loop of whether or not he lived or died. It was still there. Not only was this scene, this duel, closure for every fan out there, but it was closure for these two characters. Just like this quote says, Obi-Wan knew there was, in the end, only one answer for the attachment, and he had to let it go. Same thing here. He had to let it go. And this time he had to let go of a new set of past, past hurts, wrongdoings, things that have changed, things that were no longer. I mean, that was all part of the Revenge of the Sith. This was brand new. Now we're talking like this is sat for a while. Yeah. And for Obi-Wan to do his duty to Luke and Leia at this point, he had to let this, this whole thing go as well. And at this point, he's got no one to answer to but himself. That's right. And that's freeing. Yeah, I mean, like, he obviously, like you said, he's got his responsibilities to Luke and Leia, but he's not answering to a Jedi Council anymore, so mm-hmm. he he doesn't have to let it go. <laughs> you know, if he, It's his personal choice because he yeah. is a Jedi. Like, he counsel or not, whether or not the Jedi exists anymore, he can't not be who he is. Like, right. Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and Jedi are just one and the same, you know? Yeah. And even though he cut himself off from the Force... Look how powerful he is coming back after years of not using it. He's more powerful than ever. A crack in a dam. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And like the way he anticipates Anakin and uses Anakin's moves against him, moves that he hasn't done in what? Mm -mm. How long has it been? 10 years? Yeah. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's one more reason why he's my favorite fucking character. The whole thing with the rocks on top of him and thinking about Leia and Luke and his purpose, shedding all of that, letting it go, like you said, literally flinging the weight off of him, allowed Mm -hmm. him to really tap into his true strength in the force. Yeah. He, you have to face this stuff in life. You have to face this tough, difficult shit head on for you to get through it. And it's, I'll tell you from experience, it sucks it hurts, but it when you come out the other end, it, you're even more powerful than ever. And Obi-Wan, in shedding that, all of this hurt, all of this connection to the past, even though he cut himself off from the Force, he came back stronger than ever and with a clear mind going forward to help Luke, you know? Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's, ac- it's actually beautiful. It is. I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> <laughs> It goes beyond Star Wars. That's why. This is such an example. And all of the stories we've heard from our our listeners who have told us that they've moved through pain, that they've moved through challenges and shed the rocks, so to speak, and came out the other side brand new. I mean, it's it this is this it goes well beyond Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship. It's a beautiful metaphor for life. I agree. I think it's why it resonates so much with so many people all over the world. It's a universal truth. Yeah. We've all got a little bit of... Oh, oh God, I have to tread carefully. (laughs) We all have a little bit of Anakin in us. (laughs) And we all have a little bit... (laughs) 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 And we all got a little bit of Obi-Wan in us. What I'm trying to say is we have a little bit of darkness in us and we have a little bit of lightness in us. We got a little bit of Sith. We got a little bit of Jedi. But we got to move in the way of the light even though there's that darkness i mean you can't have one without the other we've talked about it you know well why why would you want to live you know in that that dark burdened place what did you say you said something like being angry and seeking revenge never hurts the person that it's directed towards it hurts the the person carrying it and holding on to it far more it's the it's the rose example if you you hold on to a rose And the tighter you clutch the stem, the harder that thorn is going to go into your hand. But the moment you release your grip and let it go and and release it, no longer hurts. Mm -hmm. So let go of that pain. Let go of whatever it is that you're clinging to so tightly because you're afraid to lose it. Don't you love that it's Palpatine (laughs) has to tell Vader to loosen his grip? He's like, I feel like you're a bit distracted. (laughs) Everyone needs reminded even, even... Vader. I mean, he's so one-track minded. He's still one-track minded after he goes after every Jedi. (laughs) He's just so goddamn focused. And that's the way Anakin was. He was so like, he couldn't compartmentalize anything. It was just one. One thing. One goal. One You gotta expand, bro. (laughs) Obi-Wan was the opposite. He was always better at seeing the bigger picture. And this is I think why he's so successful when he Revenge of the Sith was a struggle for sure. Mm-hmm. And I know the Kenobi duel was probably a bit of a struggle, but he seemed to be managing it and controlling it almost from the very beginning when he says, I will do what I must. Yeah. Ugh. 
Oh, yeah, well, that whole thing there. That was hot as hell. But also, I believed him in that moment. It wasn't like in Revenge of the Sith where he he says it, but you're like, this this could end badly for either one of them. In the Kenobi series, when he said that, I was like, he's going to handle this just fine. It's going to suck. (laughs) It's going to be hard to watch. But it it just felt like Obi-Wan was in control the whole time. Except for a few moments where Vader thought he had the upper hand, but the way that Obi-Wan conquered that fear and that the burdens made him more, even more powerful. It was just so fucking fun, honestly. Yeah. And people have asked, why didn't Obi-Wan kill Vader then? He wasn't an unarmed man at this point. He wasn't even his best friend. That was, we're well, well past that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have mattered. Palpatine would have found someone else and... Things would have gone on just the way yeah. they always did. Well, and everything happens in its right time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if Obi-Wan had killed Vader then, how would Luke's path have been different in the original trilogy? You know, it, it would have changed a lot of things. Do you think that there was a glimmer of hope, even still in Obi-Wan, thinking that maybe, just maybe, Anakin could still fulfill the destiny of the, the chosen one, bring balance, et cetera. Do you, ever, do you ever think he considered that or do you think it was just a done deal and that the, that Qui-Gon and the prophecy and the whole thing was just a, was just a forget it? <laughs> I don't think he did have a glimmer of hope. I think that what he says in A New Hope when he's talking about he's more machine now than man, he really doesn't have much compassion for Anakin inside True. that suit, quote unquote, I'm air quote. Really, nor should he. Right, I mean, he said he's he's dead, basically. My friend is dead. And I think that when Maul even finds him on Tatooine, Maul asks, is he the chosen one, meaning Luke? And right. Obi-Wan says he is. Yes. So I, I think he's given up on Anakin being alive or salvageable and has moved his hopes on to just protecting Luke and giving Luke the best chance of bringing balance again to the force quote unquote. i agree i i agree with all of that yeah i don't think he had a glimmer because the minute he saw that anakin was well you my friend is dead then when he says that you know he yeah. believed that yeah and then the you know the cinematic language indicates that he had let go of the idea completely when he mm-hmm. his coloring becomes neutral basically <laughs> as my mother said <laughs> my god <laughs> why is this so sad <laughs> because mom it's star wars <laughs> but yeah. it's beautiful it's beautiful too you gotta uh, through all of this we have individuals like obi-wan who give us the strength to remember that you can still go on do good and move forward mm-hmm. what's better than that right yeah, everyone. I mean, shit. Vader gets his chance, turns turns into the papa of the year and dumps Palpatine down a, ch- a trash chute, essentially a electric chute, and <laughs> saves his son. I mean, it's everyone is afforded the ability to change, but some are just exemplary. Oh, no. Exemplary examples. <laughs> they're, they're just... Perfect examples of what we aspire to be every day. And that is Obi-Wan with his hair. (laughs) I dig it right there.
All right, our question is, which of the two duels, the Revenge of the Sith or the Kenobi series duel, is your favorite and why? We would love to hear. Join us next week. We are going to go back to the second half of our listeners' stories about how Star Wars has helped them through a difficult period. We did a bunch a few episodes ago. I want to say, what was it, two, three episodes ago? Yeah. And we're going to do the remainder that we got. We got so many, we couldn't do them all in one episode. So we're going to go back and finish that up. Join us next week for that. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. We appreciate every single one of our patrons and are grateful for your support. If you'd like to support the podcast and become a patron, head over to the Most Things Kenobi Patreon. As always, you can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you enjoy our podcast, feel free to rate us on Spotify or Apple. And if you need just one place to find all of these, head over to mostthingskenobi.com. So until next time, my space twin, may the force be with you. Always. Always.